You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld, and I'm your host. And our guest today is John D'Amato. And John is a branded lifestyle portrait photographer and content creation expert. We're going to talk to him a little bit about the work that he does with coaches, with experts, with entrepreneurs, helping them create a brand, create an image, uh, helping them with how they appear uh, out there in the world on social media and otherwise. Uh, And we're going to learn a little bit about John's business and how his journey as an entrepreneur and as a service provider. John, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Bruce. So, um... Let's just start a little bit with background. I, I'm kind of curious. How did you get into this business? Have you always been a photographer? Have you always been a portrait photographer? What was what was the history in the background for you? No, I wasn't actually a portrait photographer. I went to school for television production, and I went to graduate school for television production. And I worked in the talk show industry for full time for nine years. I used to work for the Maury Show as a field producer. And- oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I've seen and heard a lot of really interesting things in my day, needless to say. <laughs> I am sure. That's, yeah. That's a quite an interesting background. What, what were your kind of learnings from that experience? What, what were your takeaways as being a, a producer there? The takeaways were that uh, if I stayed there uh, any longer, I would have lost my mind completely. And I have no idea where I would have ended up somewhere in a ditch somewhere on the side of a highway. Of, yeah. <laughs> of New York. Yeah. yeah. Crying, crying in the fetal position wondering, you know, the decisions that I made in my life, why I did them. (laughs) But what really, I mean, working in that place was amazing for a lot of reasons. One, um, I I really understood the concept of storytelling, telling stories in a very fast and very effective way, uh, leveraging emotion as a way to draw attention to yourself. So in that, and also with respect to actually being behind the camera, the composition, understanding the power of the close up and what that really signifies for people who are on the other side of the, you know, camera. So, or in this case, the other side of the television and how that stuff draws people in. So there was a lot and also how to deal with a lot of, um, colorful personalities, if you will. (laughs) I can imagine. So tell me about the the whole idea of storytelling, because I think this this comes up a lot in in various aspects of kind of content and content development. And I think, you know, so many people focus on kind of being smart or being intelligent. And, you know, I find that the real powerful stuff that that I either I see or I read, you know, has this element of story. When when you talk about story, what do you mean? Like when when you say about telling a story, what what is that about? How does that work? Well, in its simplest form, it's essentially leveraging moments, insights, conversations, anything that happens throughout your life, throughout the work that you do with your clients, and be able to recognize the ability to kind of leverage those moments, those insights, those conversations in a way that you can attach a uh, a lesson or some kind of information, uh, you're basically wrapping up your expertise in the stories that happen throughout your life, throughout your business. And it kind of gives your audience a chance to be, to relate to where you are, to who you are, who you serve and why you do what you do. So rather than just, t- you know, preach from the mountaintop and tell people whatever your expertise is, 
you're you're providing that education in a in a more inspiring way because you're leveraging the moments in your life to kind of facilitate that education. So it's more entertaining and it's also more relatable. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I think I I learned that. Uh, I write for Inc. Uh, on a weekly basis, and in, in the beginning, you know, a couple of years ago when I started, it was like a real chore to figure out what my topics were going to be. I do all this brainstorming, and I'd look at other, you know, what other people are writing about, and I come up with one angle. And then at some point, I just I would start thinking about what conversation that I have yesterday with a client or with someone, you know, that that was, you know, had some interest or angle, and I would just write about that. And those ended up getting much better responses, <laughs> you know. So when I tried to be super smart and like come up with this really insightful thing, versus if I just told the story about a conversation I had over dinner or, you know, with a client over a meeting and then, you know, kind of related that and the kind of the lesson learned or the advice given or the insight developed, you know, those ended up resonating a lot, a lot better with audiences than this kind of, uh, you know, trying to be smart articles. Exactly. And that's, and that's the key right there. It's not about being smart. It's not about trying to be insightful. It's about capturing your voice, your personality in the story, the way you write it because that's ultimately what people are paying attention to. The way that I describe this to clients when I help them brainstorm ideas for their own content, it's, you know, how do you talk to people in real life? And the key is to be able to transfer that ability to have a natural conversation in the way that you write. Is that easy at first? Absolutely not. It took me years to finally get to a place where I could confidently say, my voice is in my writing. If you look at my writing, it sounds exactly the way that I sound when I talk to people. And that takes time to do that. But the value in it is immeasurable because that is what draws people in. Yeah. They don't want to read stale writing and they don't want you to pretend to be something that you're not. They want you to be you. As cliche as that may sound. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes cliche works. What uh, And what gets in people's ways, do you find? I mean, I, you know, have, uh, having worked with lots of people, I'm assuming, on, on kind of this process, what are the hang-ups, the mindsets, the kind of thinking uh, stucks that people get in that prevent them from, you know, being kind of who they are in their writing? Uh, the big one is the imposter syndrome. That is a real thing. It is something yeah. that I have felt uh, every step of of the maturation process of my business. You know, anytime that you try to do something a little bit different, there's this voice in your head that says, who the hell do you think you are talking about this stuff like that? You have no basis to talk like that. Even as irrational as that is, that is what in fact holds a lot of people back, you know? And then there's of course the fear of success for some people. Well, if I start to do this and I actually hit it off, how the hell am I going to sustain that? You know, so Mm -hmm. a lot of people before they even get out of the gate, they don't even get on the track to be ready to run out there and do their thing because they uh, lock themselves uh, with this paralysis of, of inaction. And it's very commonplace. And that's actually one of the reasons why a lot of people don't invest in their image content. They don't want to put themselves out there because they don't want to be, oh, I'm much better behind the scenes. Mm. No, you're not. If, if you are your brand, if you are that person, that's out there on the forefront trying to help people with whatever your particular area of expertise is, you need to be seen because otherwise people won't find you. So yeah. it's uh, it's a very problematic situation that I see very, very often. Well, it's almost like a double lose. I mean, it's kind of this, people are afraid of, you know, on the one hand, 
you know, being ridiculed or, or getting some kind of, you know, critical feedback or something. On the other hand, they're also worried about being successful. <laughs> so it's like they're, they're kind of stuck in this middle. You know, and I think one, one thing that I can't help but think about is that you are going to get critical feedback. I mean, I think that's the one thing I learned as I started to be more public and started to put more stuff out there is you're going to get people who don't like your stuff. But, yes. but that's okay. In fact, that's probably a good sign that you're being more decisive, that you're being more kind of who you are. And you're going to repel some people. But the fact is, you're also going to attract some people. And it's that that appel retract dynamic, which actually makes the whole system work. If you, if you try to make everyone happy, you're going to make everyone, you know, it's, it's going to it's going to appeal to everyone very at a very low level. And, you know, creating stuff that's going to be very appealing to some people and very repelling to others is actually what you want. I think, I don't know. I mean, to give me, give me your take on this. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. The, the whole goal of this. I mean, when you're writing your content, you're not writing for everybody. If you write for everyone, you're writing for nobody. It's not even little tr- a, a little bit of attention. You're going to get zero attention because it's just watered down. What you need to do is when you identify who are the people that you serve, you're talking to that person. That's yeah. who you're talking to, one person. And, 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 and it's not just this social post, I'm going to talk to this type of person, another person, another post, I'm going to talk about a different type of person. No, everything that you write from your sales copy to your you know blog to your social posts, everything needs to be consistent and in line because you're building an audience based on you know your expertise and your life as a business owner and your life as a human being when you share these things. And when you talk about that stuff and you're talking to one person, everything becomes clear and the focus of your message is going to be much more on point for these particular people. And yes, repelling people that don't resonate with your message is exactly what you want, because then you're not spending time trying to continue to appeal to people that ultimately aren't your clients. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's really a huge piece. It's, and, um, you know, I spent a lot of time with companies on figuring out how to, how to grow and scale their business more quickly and easier. And, and one of the things, sort of the somewhat counterintuitive things we talk about is the faster you want to scale and the, and the bigger you want to scale, the more you need to focus on a particular customer and a particular service and a particular channel, as like you actually need to do less, you know, because a lot of people I think get caught in this mode of you know chasing money and they'll kind of provide any service to anyone who's who's willing to hire them. But that actually it may be good yes. in the beginning to kind of generate revenues, but it's really going to work it against you at scale. Talk to me a little bit more about this whole idea of writing to one person, because I think I mean we in kind of the business strategy side we talk about kind of personas and we talk about a, a core customer and and really kind of giving them kind of a personality or a persona. When you're looking at the branding side and, and you say, you know, write to one person, how, how do you how do you kind of identify that person or how do you help somebody figure out who that person is for them and how does it serve them or how, how do they use it in terms of content creation? Well, with respect to uh, identifying the persona, for me, the way that I figured out the type of person I wanted to talk to was because those people helped me during a difficult time in my life. And... I ran across a lot of coaches and listened to a lot of speakers and inspiring speakers and and not just for business. I'm talking life stuff as well. And that's that kind of was the motivation for me to craft this niche, this branded lifestyle portrait niche towards speakers, authors and coaches, because I saw an immense amount of value that 
these people in general provide. And with respect to helping my clients identify their target audience, usually they have a pretty good indication by the time they get to me in their uh marketing process, if you will, uh, they already have a vague description of, or, or in, in most cases, a very well-defined description of who their ideal client is. Mm -hmm. So what we simply do is I allow them to kind of flesh out the stories that they have with respect to who they're talking to. Um, I don't actually write the content for them, but I help kind of shepherd their idea muscles to get to a place where they can leverage all of those interesting stories that they have about these people. But the most important thing for them with respect to brand is that they do understand that they're not serving everyone. They are serving this one particular group. And when they write that they're literally talking about those people. Uh, when I write, I say speaker, author, and coach probably 80 million times throughout all of my content. I just yeah. constantly refer to them. And I refer to the stories that I have had one-on-one -on -one with different uh, clients and different colleagues that are in that industry. And I just leverage that stuff and, and talk about that. And don't worry about the fact that I am alienating everybody else. It's okay. Yeah. I like to say to folks, that there's a difference between you know, focusing on a, on a particular customer, being willing to alienate you know, a whole bunch of people, you know, that doesn't mean we're not going to take some people's money. <laughs> you know I mean? You know, pe yeah. people are still going to no. come. No, no, no. It's like a crew. Crazy. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> yeah, we need to, we need to stay on brand you... and stuff. But I, I think it's you know a yes. lot of people think that oh well if I if I pick this one very very specific target then you know no one but that one person is going to come to me. The fact is is that a lot of people are going to resonate with that in different ways. In fact, they're probably more likely to resonate with a, someone very specific who's kind of like them than someone who's trying to write to everybody. And well. Yes, exactly. And yeah. and by the way, when you write content that goes beyond your expertise and you're sharing, you know, your vulnerabilities and you're sharing your ups and downs as a business owner, that stuff relates to everyone who is a business owner. That's not just, oh, well, I'm a speaker. So therefore, this resonates with me only. No, I mean, if someone, I write tons of stuff about my personal life. I don't talk about everything, but I talk about some things that are yeah. relatable to the people that I serve. And I do that intentionally for that very reason, because that kind of stuff resonates with people. Now, if someone who's outside of the speaker, coach, author industry is interested in my work, of course, I'm going to be interested in it. The reality is, is, you know, it's all based on my schedule and my yeah. timing and all of that. And I don't promote it, but I'm a photographer. So I shoot everything as it is. Yeah. It was very difficult for me to get to this point in the first place. If you look at the earlier iterations of my website, it looked like I shot about 75,000 things. It was crazy, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and it was this process that ultimately got me to a place where I realized that in order to build a sustainable, referable, and memorable business, I needed to focus my marketing and focus my messaging and focus all of my services to this particular community. Yeah. And that's what really signaled the change. I think that makes sense. So uh, the, the other idea that you brought up there, I think was interesting is that, you know, it comes down to your time and availability. And I think that a, a lot of the dynamic, and I don't, I don't think people always kind of understand this dynamic, which is uh, taking clients that are not your ideal clients. It's not that you're 
not going to do great work. It's not that you're, you're not going to you know make them you know reasonably financially successful. Is that you're you're taking up a slot in your schedule that you could otherwise upgrade to a better client. And so I think the the idea that you're kind of thinking about it as an opportunity cost less than well I have to say no I have to say no to this client who's not an ideal client but they're a, you know maybe a good client a paying client the real cost of taking that on is the opportunity cost of not having the slot available when that ideal client comes in. And so I always talk about this idea of, of continuously upgrading your client list. And so particularly if you're a solopreneur or you're, you're you know, driven around uh, uh, time availability that you or your team only has so much time, continually upgrading your clients is really the goal on that, that process. Absolutely. And it's a constant evolution. And as you and as you do that, you're also upgrading your services because what's happening is is as you talk to a different level of person within the community that you serve, you start to realize that their pain points are slightly different from people who are four to five steps beneath them on their on their journey. And it's all about refining the message. And when you do that, and then refining the services to cater to those particular people, and as you go along, it constantly changes. Yeah. Do you find the pricing strategy changes too? I don't know. I'm curious what your, you know, as as you do kind of upgrade those clients, how does it affect either how you price, what your prices are, profitability, things like that? What have you found? Well, as of right now, my my niche, my branded lifestyle portrait niche is only two years old. So I'm still in the uh, getting visibility stage yeah. for a certain level of client. So I haven't gotten to the point yet, admittedly, where I get the fun, uh, the fun decision of doubling my prices <laughs> once I start to get in a room of uh, different types of people. But for from what I have been taught and what I've been told from different colleagues within my my network, yeah, the higher the caliber person, the more that your rates go up. And the reason is simple. People who are on the higher end of the spectrum, whatever, you know, the uh, whatever the business is, they respect they respect people's time and money is a definite trigger for people with respect to how. They want to work with the best. They want to work with people that present themselves as the best. They want to see the value that you provide, and they want to see that the the price tag that you have is commensurate with your value. And yeah. if you have that disconnect, the trust factor goes down. They're less likely to, to use uh, to book you, and then you're going to have that challenge of trying to figure all of that out. So at some point, yes, I definitely plan on raising the rate. I mean, even even before that point, when we're talking about working with the heavy hitters in the speaker coach author industry the rates go up the moment that i start getting booked out that's that's how it goes so i can call the herd and keep working with the people who are that serious because uh at the end of the day i love working hard but i don't love working every single minute of my life and photography is quite an investment especially with the services that i provide so yeah i would really be cognizant of my schedule and my bookings. And then, you know, the rates will follow. Yeah. I've certainly found that as most of the people that I work with and most of the people that I know that work with, you know, higher end clients, it's, there's two things that happen. One is there's more of a mindset of, you know, paying for quality services. Uh, There's a lot less kind of haggling. There's a lot less kind of negotiating on uh, price. And it's much more focused on, well, the value that I'm willing to pay a lot of money for a lot of value. Yeah. The other thing I find is that, you know, the, the most successful you know, folks that I work with and, and people that work with really successful business folks, they tend to be super generous. 
you know, they, they tend to, in, in all parts of their lives, whether it's, uh, you know, tipping at a restaurant, whether it's, you know, how they treat their employees, it's a, it's, there's just a general sense of, well, yeah, I charge a lot of money, but that gives me not only the right, but a bit of a responsibility to, to pass it on to the other people that I work with. So I think there's, there's an interesting mindset that comes when you start working with the higher end, higher end clientele that, that um, is a dynamic. And I think you need to kind of take on that that dynamic as well to be able to function at that level. Like if you start worrying about haggling, if you start being, you know, tight with money on some of those things, it can it can it can shift you and, and shift you away from the mindset of your clients. So it's an interesting one that I think has come up for me, certainly in the last four or five years. Absolutely. And the funny part about that is that I had no idea about any of that stuff because I didn't grow up, you know, I want to be a business owner. I want to be a photographer. And 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 understanding that dynamic was like, wow, this is really interesting. But it is true. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, more specifically the the actual work that you do. So tell me about the relationship between kind of the image and content uh, or kind of the, the written word and the spoken word and image and video. Like mm-hmm. how what, what's your, I guess, strategy or take on how to develop an effective, you know, media presence? Because I think a lot of people I, I know a lot of people who, you know, will shoot, you know, great portraiture, you know, have great images of themselves, but then, you know, now have great copy. I've seen other people that write amazingly well, but then their, you know, the the image side of them, you know, photographs otherwise, their personal appearance, yeah. things like that are all off. How do you how do you kind of think about it and how do you help folks with with that kind of holistic brand um, strategy? Well, the key to the whole thing is to understand the dynamic between the written word and the image. The photos that people use on social, the photos that they use for their ads, the photos that they use on their website or their blogs has one sole purpose, and that is to visually punctuate the sentiment of whatever story that they're telling wherever they're telling it throughout their online presence. This concept of visual punctuation is um, defined by the lighting of the shot, the composition, and the lifestyle activity in which they're partaking if they're working. The whole point is to marry and complement the images to the stories that they tell. So instead of just posting photos of them smiling and being wildly happy or on the other end of the spectrum with their arms crossed looking at the camera like they're a badass and just like, you know, (laughs) look at me, you know, I'll kick your ass and I'll make you money too. You know, like (laughs) stuff like that. It's like that those photos drive me up a wall because what it does, what it does is it creates this black and white two-point emotional spectrum where in reality when you're creating a brand and you're presenting yourself memorably to your audience to try to you know build that rapport and connection you need to break down that fourth wall by having an emotional spectrum of images so that you do have photos that represent you know joy and success and wins in your business and you're being happy and authentic smiles and laughing and all of that but you also need the other spectrum you need the shots where you look vulnerable and you're pensive and you're reflective. And these emotions and these sentiments are, are crafted in an image content library that has hundreds of photos of different activities. The whole goal of creating this online presence, uh, this memorable online presence, is to capture those aspects of your personality in the activities that you do, because you're demystifying the process for your audience. You're allowing them to see through the fourth wall 
and give them a, a feeling or a sense of, hey, I can envision myself in that chair right next to that person who's working on the computer and talking to them and getting the help that they need from that person. So that's why in the photos that I create with my clients, you know, I talk at length with them beforehand with respect to finding out all of these interesting little idea nuggets about who they are, who they serve and why they do what they do. Because once I get that insight, you know, yes, everybody works on a computer and yes, everybody works on a phone. <laughs> get that. But yeah. the reality, there's other things that you also find out. And when you have images that are not just I'm staring at a camera. It's not just, you know, looking for as a headshot, you know, headshots are important and those kinds of images are important. But when it those are just, you know, when they're just vanity driven type images and there's no value add in addition, you know, looking good in front of the camera is important. And I don't know one photographer that does not want to shoot a photo that looks good. That goes without saying. But the thing is, is a lot of people just are satisfied with vanity driven images. But the reality is, is that those lifestyle images, those shots of working with clients, yeah. uh, those shots of brainstorming ideas in your moleskin, like those things, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Those kinds of images bring it home. Showing the books that inspire your thought leadership or your program or whatever, your own book and showing quotes in the book, like those types of images are more tactile and they're more uh, real for people. And it makes it feel like they're a part of this journey with that person. It's very important to do so. Yeah, I think it's kind of creating that accessibility, someone to connect. I think it's hard. It's hard when everyone, if someone looks so polished and so put together and so like on stage all the time, they're they're not super relatable. Whereas if you you know you see them, you know, <laughs> trying to get, trying to waiting for the subway or you know yeah reading the book or getting preparing for a client meeting or you know it's that kind of yep. little slice of life or or a little moment moment of uh, the day to day that's uh, that can be powerful. Exactly. That's funny you mentioned. I was just going to say really quick. There's one. There's one piece about that uh, I share often with my clients. I say, it's important to be a superhero, but you also need to be relatable. Otherwise, you're going to scare the hell out of people, and yeah. they're going to be too intimidated to work with you. Yeah, yeah. I just think of my own kind of you know content that I've developed and and uh, you know visual and things like that. And some of the best ones are the you know kind of the. The, the dirty, messy images of working with a client on, you know, on whiteboards and, you know, post-its everywhere. And, you know, those are far more interesting to folks than, uh, you know, me on stage speaking or something like that. You know, they're like, ooh, what were you doing there? I got to, you know, like, oh, I love, I love the way you did this one. It's like the insight of the actual work um, tends to be uh, really interesting for folks. This, oh, by the way, the yeah. speaker shots are important too. Don't yeah. actually, those folks, Photos are just as important because you do need to show the superhero part. Let yeah. me not be confused. Uh, yeah, yeah, you definitely need to show that because that's where you perform your magic. But then when you have a photo of you where you're looking down, thinking to yourself, the lighting is dramatic. You're very pensive. That's important, too. That's how the balance works. Yeah. It's a combination of the of the two. That's good. So we're going to hit time here. John, if people want to find out more about you and, and the work that you do and then and how you work you know, with your speakers, authors, coaches, where, uh, where's the best place to get more information? The place that they can go, and we'll put the link in the show notes, yep. is uh, johndomato.com forward slash uh, share dash magical dash ideas. Uh, it's an ebook that I wrote uh, for speakers, authors, and coaches, and they'll be able to get more of a sense of the online presence framework that I help create with my clients. And it'll give them a little bit of a uh, in, insight into 
how to do all that, the, the what, the why, and the how. And um, sign up for my list. You'll get that for free. And uh, I'd love to hear uh, what everybody thinks about it. Perfect. Um, I, I've, I've, uh, I've had a chance to, to peruse the book. It's a great piece of content. Highly encourage folks to go check it out. Um, yeah, certainly if you're interested in sort of amping up your um, your presence, your image, uh, the content you're developing, uh, I think anyone in the service-based business these days is you know, using some level of authority marketing, content marketing, So, uh, and you do some great work. So I would encourage people to check it out. Uh, John, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Bruce. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.